Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I can't stay here. I, I, not after yesterday. You can't look at that yesterday and think I want to be a part of that. I think the best thing would be a resignation. You know. So you think it was an impeachable offense? Fortunately, oh sure. Yeah, I think if if inciting to insurrection isn't, then I don't really know what is. The images of this attack are so shocking that many of Trump's enablers are finally beginning to get the goddamn point that his continuous lies and humoring of racists and winks and nods to violent extremists are dangerous. Where were uh, Giuliani with the uh, trial by combat? Where was Junior? Where was this guy Holly with his fist in the air? Where was Ted Cruz when these guys left the rally and went to the Capitol? Excellent questions. That is Democratic pundit and analyst O.J. Simpson. (laughs) Making a really salient point. He actually makes a good point. We better, why don't we mainstream O.J. again? Other than being a uh, homicidal maniac, the guy has some uh, pithy thoughts, and he makes a he makes a good point that uh, you know he, he, Donald Jr. and uh, Eric were up there, and Lara were up there, and Giuliani were up there yelling about the new revolution that was going to take place, but they mm-hmm. didn't go down to the Capitol to kick any asses. Yeah, unlike OJ, who OJ did t- dirty work himself. OJ, <laughs> damn right he did. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Just a quickie here. You know, as I'm getting ready to watch the football games, but I was scrolling this morning and I was watching some wrap up and some coverage of this week's activities, you know, in these. Watching some wrap up? <laughs> wrap up. <laughs> what is that? Wrap up. Like when you wrap something up, some news wrap ups, like oh, really? summaries of the news. Okay. I've just never heard it. That's fine. <laughs> See, and. Something dawned on me. Where I killed my wife and that <laughs> waiter. Where, where were these guys? Where were uh, Giuliani with the uh, um, trial by combat? Where was Junior? Where was this guy Holly with his fist in the air? Where was Ted Cruz when these guys left the rally and went to the Capitol? Quite a contrast when you think about Montgomery, Alabama, 
You know, where was Martin Luther King and John Lewis and Abernathy? They were right up front leading the protesters despite the billy clubs and the dogs and the gas. Just a thought. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you, OJ. <laughs> stay away from you, for, for starters. Um, but he makes a point, Alice. They weren't front and center. I would say that, that MLK and John Lewis have slightly different legacies than uh, Eric and Don Jr., although I do like all of the Trump kids. I've gotten to speak with all of them, and I enjoy them, all, except for Tiffany. Okay, but don't you think that like what OJ was saying there almost speaks to the fact that none of these people expected it to turn out like <clears throat> it did? Like even yes. I don't think Trump even expected this to happen. No. I don't no. think Trump uh you know, he's not deep in web forums on the Donald or any of these places. He's not really he's not on parlor seeing what people are planning that they're planning to bring zip tie handcuffs and pry bars to pry open doors to hang the vice president. Like he's not really looking at that. He doesn't take any of the stuff seriously. Yeah, no, I don't think that he thought that they were going to going to go try to hang Mike Pence. <laughs> that said, it doesn't seem like he was too concerned since he hasn't called Mike up to see if he's well, shaking yeah. at all. So I don't. Yeah. So the news is that he and Pence haven't spoken at all. Yeah. Since, <laughs> since Mike when, let him down. Since Wednesday, Mike let him uh, down. So um, Mike should have voted to reject the election and then got uh, <laughs> hanged. And uh, then he would have shown his um, uh, fealty. But I don't think any of these people. I don't think. I mean. Holly and Ted Cruz, and they're obviously spineless, and they went to fancy law schools. Like they know that there wasn't any chance the election was going to be overturned. They're playing a part to. Well, they were being just just uh, nakedly uh, opportunistic. Yeah, and they're just they don't want to lose any not potential honorable. Trump voters right. in the twenty twenty four primary. Yeah, it's they're, dishonorable, absolutely. Uh, but you know, but so, but I don't think they didn't expect any violence actually by these Trump oh, supporters. Oh, no, I think they don't want... I, 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 first of all, I have no reason to believe that they're not decent people and that they don't want... just don't want violence. Who wants to deal with that? And, yeah, uh, nobody wanted right. that. This hasn't done any favors for anybody who actually wanted the Trump legacy to go somewhere, by the way. So, like, No, it hasn't done any favors for uh, Hawley and Cruz either, it, who, after the invasion of the Capitol, maybe should have amended what their mm -hmm. night was going to look like. I think. Um, I'm okay, right so, there with you. So um, Mick Mulvaney has been making the rounds today. He's been everywhere with Chuck Todd. He's been with um, with Chris Wallace. He's been everywhere answering mm -hmm. all the questions. So he dropped out of the administration a few days ago. He was like the assistant ambassador to Ireland or something, some, some throwaway post. It was a gig, though, something to do, as you're going to hear him say. He quit uh, shortly after the mayhem in D.C. I talked about it last night with my family. I called Pompeo. I'm the special envoy to Northern Ireland, and uh, it's 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 a small job. It's a part time gig, but it's it's all I've got in these in the administration. I called Mike Pompeo last night, let him know, let him tell him that I'd be resigning from that. I just I, I can't I can't do it. I can't stay. It's a, it's a nothing thing. It doesn't affect the outcome. It doesn't affect the transition. But it's it's what I've got right, and it's a position I really enjoy doing. But you can't do it, um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see more of my uh, my friends um, resign over the course of the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. It'll be completely 
understandable uh, if they did. If those of those who, who choose to stay, and I have talked to a couple of them, are choosing to stay because they are concerned that the president might put someone in to replace them that could make things even worse. So uh, I don't, I'm not condemning those who, who, uh, who choose not to resign. I understand that. Uh, but I can't stay here. I, I, not after yesterday. You can't look at that yesterday and think I want to be a part of that. And I, I, people are criticizing these people for, for too little, too late. You know, and this is just a a weak, uh, these are weak uh, gestures, mm-hmm. et cetera. But like you said, it's, it's something, it's what they have, okay? It's it's a little bitty way to say I'm not okay with this. I, well, right, also, and I mean, I don't know if, you, if you're going to play the to me stuff, but I listened to some yeah, of the I'm, to me stuff. And, I, you know, when he's, when everybody's pressuring people to say like, see now, do you regret voting mm-hmm. for Trump? Like, but this hadn't happened then. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm supposed to regret doing something on the basis of the facts that I had on the time and the Trump well, presidency to that point? You well, know that's what, I mean? what we're like, going to go through here because, and that's the contention Chuck Todd we use, but they've all been saying it. They've right. all been, you're right. They've all been bringing these people on as a reckoning saying, now do you see, now weren't you culpable for enabling him? Right. Now do you want to apologize for seeing what we've all seen? So yeah, you've all seen Trump inciting people to go attack the Capitol? It yeah, because that only deaths. happened this week. Right, <laughs> like, that didn't that hadn't happened last November. And that's so. a huge disconnect, and that's a problem because we've we've watched to use now what is a way overused um, metaphor. We've all been watching two different movies for the past four years, <laughs> right. and the left has seen one that is very different than the reality. I'm sorry, it's right. not to say that Trump did not break norms. And was a was a normal kind of cat in the Oval Office because he wasn't. But all this fascist tanks rolling through the streets, mm-hmm. authoritarian, authoritarian, uh, you know, iron fist coming down, all this other crap. And we're gonna hear a bunch of it, so I won't I won't talk over it. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Well, you right. know, what I'm, happened was the first step back, the Abraham Accords, tax cuts, you know, yeah. things like that happened. I'm supposed to not like that we got a big tax cut now because, <clears throat> like, some, some freaking insane QAnon <laughs> people decided well, to storm the Capitol. Well, that's a great point because, Alice, if you listen to most people in established media, mm-hmm. you didn't get a tax cut. It right. was a giveaway to billionaires. Well, I happened. guess I'm a billionaire then because we got a pretty hefty tax cut. Right. No, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 that's another thing that they do. This weird gaslighting and, you know, ticking and ticking away at mm-hmm. uh, what is really happening. So it's the same thing with, with all the, these athletes that are coming out and saying, oh, my God, if this had been Black Lives Matter, there would have been arrested and the police would have really, um, you know, been tough. It's, like, as if they can't see that there, there are already probably 100 arrests. There's probably going to be thousands of oh, arrests. Oh, there's absolutely going and to be. And the cops shot into the crowd, including he shot a woman in the neck and killed her. Do yeah. they not see it? They, they have the oh, facts in front of them. They tear-gassed Black Lives Matter. Yeah, they tear-gassed <laughs> these people, too, until these people overran right. them and took the tear gas from them and tear-gassed them yes, back. I mean, like, what crazy. the heck? The people are choosing what to... Nobody wants to change beliefs whatsoever. Ever. It's not about right. facts. It's about the narrative that they want to believe in, in one which they play a part of nobility. And so they're not going to change the story because it feels good to be them because their mm-hmm. story is nice and black and white. All right. So Chuck uh, Chuck uh, Todd asks Mulvaney. Uh, I liked Mulvaney kind of. I thought he was a it was he I just thought he was a, a fairly competent guy. Right. Um, he asked Mulvaney. Uh, how is the president doing uh, mentally? Mr. Mulvaney, let me start with, look, you, you worked with him very closely. What 
is his state of mind right now? I don't know. Uh, I know what it would have been like eight months or a year ago. Um, I have seen the president um, in similar circumstances, certainly nothing of, of this gravity. Uh, but I've, I've not told folks about this story before about how we had an incident during the impeachment um, when he was. One of the things about doing the rounds on all the Sunday morning show shows is that he said, I've not told the story before three times today. <laughs> and I've listened to all three. It's accused uh, in social media or, or by some uh, uh, politicians of interfering with a witness while she was testifying. Uh, I know a little bit about uh, witness intimidation. Didn't think it was a legal problem, but we knew it was a political problem. And I went to him privately, closed the door and said, Mr. President, this is a problem. We need to fix it. He pushed back a little bit, but then he called the lawyer, um, then he called Kevin McCarthy, then I think he called Ivanka, and he called a bunch of his friends on New York, and over the course of the next hours, he took data and information and opinions from a bunch of different people, and then he pivoted and changed course. That's the president that I knew. That's the reason I thought that we'd never be here. I thought the president would be presidential. Clearly, that system has broken down, and whether or not the president is different or the people advising him are different, or both. I don't know what's going on um, inside the Oval Office now, and I don't know what's going on inside the president's head. Um, Chuck Todd is sort of smiling there to himself by the end because he's not buying it. But I, it, it seems, it seems believable to me. He has been a different person since the election. Yeah, and I mean, you know, all these people are saying like, "Well, now do you see? Now are you sorry? Like, why don't they ever ask themselves if?" they've uh, had any contributions to the environment that led to this. They're really quick yep. to sit around and read into everything everybody else did. Hmm, could this phrase possibly be interpreted as a call to violence towards Congress? Or, you know, they're really willing to sit around and examine everybody else's speech for any hints of anything that could have incited violence. But there is absolutely zero self-reflection, self-examination about did we do anything that could contribute to the notion that this election was in some way unfair? Could anything that anybody in the media has done and did in the lead up to November 3rd, could anything that they did, could anything that big tech have possibly given anyone the impression that things were untoward and maybe the election wasn't 100% fair? Did anything they do possibly give that impression? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe somebody can think about that for a while and get back to me because they haven't put a lot of thought into that question. I can right. tell no, you. Right. No, this is being treated as a singular event that came out of nowhere and not a culmination. This is supposed to be the president president's doing in isolation from all other factors, which is a dangerous mm -hmm. way to look at this stuff because it's not going to re result in a remedy. Right. So you say he's different, but in fairness, and you probably knew this was coming, in 2016, Congressman Mick Mulvaney called then-candidate Donald Trump a terrible human being, said he would be disqualified from office in an ordinary universe because of what you said were atrocious things he had said. Do you wish you had listened to Congressman Mulvaney? Chuck, I'm very familiar with that comment. I think if you look at that in context, that was on the eve of or the day after the Access Hollywood tape and some of those terrible things the president said, the, the locker room talk, as he describes it. That's different. Policy differences are different. Stylized, uh, stylistic differences are different. Things you don't like about a person's personalities uh, are different than what happened on Wednesday. Wednesday was a fundamental threat to the United States. It speaks to what's, what makes us right. American. It's an existential type of thing. It's not, it's not superficial. It's deep and it's real and it's different, which is why you saw so many resignations this week uh, and didn't see them over the course of the last couple of years. Wednesday changed everything. 
so and also that is a it's a low hanging fruit, but BS question to ask right. because you're always going to get every you know opponent and you know current bedfellows in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have uh, examples of them. Being critical of it was some... a debate, right? Exactly. Oh, jeez, I wish I had that. Exactly right. Then Tr- uh, Chuck Todd went through Trump's violent violence streak. A lot of people would uh, push back at you and say, you know, a character is destiny, and in fact, I, I do. You've you've used this eight months. First of all, I haven't heard that before. I don't know. Is that a thing? Character is destiny. Um, it is actually in in literature in particular. Okay. I don't know that I buy that whatsoever. Okay. Well. Uh, I, uh, no, I believe that it's a thing in literature, else. I don't okay. know that I believe it is a thing in believe that character is destiny necessarily because we've had some low character folks in the White House, and you know, it would not and it didn't necessarily result in um, in you know the the unfurling of their destined uh, nefariousness, you know, that in any way. Marker, and uh, uh, I, I want to his rhetoric. Incendiary rhetoric goes back far greater than just the last few weeks. Here's some examples. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is. I don't know. Proud boys, stand back and stand by. You see where I'm going here. It, it is one of these things you are basically saying, I didn't see this version of Donald Trump. A lot of us, with all due respect, said, yeah, we, we saw this version of Donald Trump to us didn't change. This was the guy we saw um, celebrating violence in 16, and it just sort of carried through to, sadly, this inevitable conclusion. Okay, so <clears throat> Chuck Todd bases his claims that Trump has, Trump has had a violent streak Based on three different episodes mm-hmm. that he cites there, and they play the, the audio for mm-hmm. Second Amendment, Proud Boys, Stand By, Stand Down, and um, the You're Going to Leave a Place in a Stretcher. Chuck Todd bases his really cornering of Mulvaney mm-hmm. on those these three things, who in Chuck Todd's mind solidified for him the fact that Donald Trump <clears throat> loves violence. Loves violence. Because these things happened as fact. Mm-hmm. And we, he even played the audio so we know they happen, have, happened as fact. Mm-hmm. But that is the problem here. That is the problem. Is that none of those things actually happened well, the way that he's setting them up? <laughs> or there's much more to it. Right. Exactly. So, yes. So, he's they create a false premise and then use that as absolute fact and make, not right in this case, Mulvaney reconcile that when it's not accurate. So here's Trump uh, on the Proud Boys uh, this summer. I don't know who the Proud Boys are. I mean, you'll have to give me a definition because I really don't know who they are. I can only say they have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work. Law enforcement will do the work more and more as people see how bad this radical liberal Democrat movement is and how weak the law enforcement's going to come back stronger and stronger. But again, I don't know who Proud Boys are, but whoever they are, they have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work. So he also, during the night of the mm-hmm. debates, talked about the Proud Boys as well and said, I don't know who they are. What do you want me to say? Pick one. And Biden said, Proud Boys. And then 
Trump said, okay, and Trump went off of what, what, what Chris Wallace yeah. said, which was stand down. Will you down. tell them to stand down? Can right. you tell the Proud Boys to stand down? They both said that to him about three times. Right, and Trump garbles and says, stand by, stand down. He doesn't He wasn't, doesn't get it. He's not on to it. <laughs> he wasn't issuing them orders from the no. debate stage. Republicans <clears throat> and like extreme right-wingers are really bad at organizational structures and having like communication security around around their plans, but they're not that bad. They're not going to give their secret orders on right. the debate stage of the United States presidential debate. Well, except for Trump, <laughs> who also uses uses a public podium to ask Russia for help with email. <laughs> I know. And they, there's no context to that. People say, wow, that's how he does it. He just asks, and then we hear it right here in plain sight, as if that would ever be done like that. So you heard it, Trump say that in the old days, somebody like that who be moved, would be removed by a stretcher. This is 2016 in Las Vegas. Here is the entire episode with uh, the guy out in the crowd, who some people say was throwing punches, other people say was not throwing punches, but regardless, here's the entire episode of 2016. Bye-bye. They're tossing the guy. Look, see, he's smiling. See, he's having a good time. Uh, I love the old days, you know? You know what I hate? There's a guy totally disruptive, throwing punches, we're not allowed to punch back anymore. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. That's true. You know, I love our police, and I really respect our police, and they're not getting enough. They're not. But... Honestly, I hate to see that. Here's a guy throwing punches, nasty as hell, screaming at everything else when we're talking. And he's walking out, and we're not allowed, you know, the guards are very gentle with him. He's walking out like big high fives, smiling, laughing. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. <laughs> so he's talking about a person who, at the very least, he believes was being physically violent right. towards and other people. There had been many assaults at Trump rallies, mm -hmm. inside and outside, where the, the people would go and get in fights there, especially right. Chicago was shut down. So Trump, although never a really, um, you know, class move to call for anybody getting beat <laughs> up, he's responding to violence right. happening. He's, he's talking about people who are starting a physical altercation getting knocked out. Exactly. Not, not which just was, random congressmen. Which was, and, 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 and this was happening to Trump fans all across the country. Mm -hmm. All across the country in 2016. It happened in uh, Chicago. We saw it happened all over the South. Mm -hmm. We saw rallies there. A big one happened. was even covered by the news, but never talked about. We begin with several developing stories here on a Friday night. First, the violent and bloody clashes outside a Donald Trump event. Protesters attacking Trump supporters. Those supporters were attacked as they left the convention center in San Jose overnight. Some punched, some chased down and beaten. Others had bottles thrown at them. And just a short time ago, Donald Trump addressing the violence. ABC's Tom Yamas is in California. Tonight, Donald Trump condemning the protesters behind those bloody attacks on his supporters. They walk out and they get accosted by a bunch of thugs burning the American flag. And you know what they are? They're thugs. Anti-Trump protesters hunting down the very people who back Trump, pelting a woman with eggs. Oh my God. 
surrounding this man trying to get away. Other Trump supporters beaten. What happened? I was walking on the street and this guy like sucker punched me in the back of the head. The protesters shaking cars, breaking taillights. Police on hand, but it seems that they didn't act quickly enough. And that's pretty famous. There was a very, mm-hmm. uh, it was a fairly um, popular gay podcaster who was there uh, who got the hell beat out of him. He and his boyfriend were there and they were cornered and they were pummeled. And so this violence around Trump in the rallies, this was a reaction to a larger uh, series right. of events that was happening. That is all cleared away and surgically removed. Our Trump saying stretcher, Trump saying proud boys stand by. That's what this media, this talks to me as to what you were saying, mm-hmm. building these false, false narratives were doing. As far as the Hillary Second Amendment stuff, Trump says, so here, I just wrote that, this down today. Hillary wants to raise taxes. It's a comparison. I want to lower them. Hillary wants to expand regulations, which she does bigly. Can you believe <laughs> that? I will reduce them very, very substantially, which she did. Could be as much as 70 to 70%. Hillary wants to shut down energy production. I want to expand it. Lower electric bills, folks. Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish, the Second Amendment. By the way, and if she gets to pick, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. Uh, but I will tell you what, there will that will be a horrible day if if Hillary gets to put her judges in. So the the from Trump, what you can parse there, <laughs> which is a little bit right. Well, it, it, among other things, so let me tell you what the the uh, campaign said. This is simple. Trump is saying is dangerous. A person seeking to be president should not suggest violence in, in any way. Suggest violence? Trump senior campaign person said it's called the power of unification. Second Amendment people have amazing spirit and are tremendously unified, which gives them great political power. And this year they will be voting for your record numbers. Yada, 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 yada. So Trump very, uh, you know, it, it's very plausible to believe mm-hmm. that he was talking about the Second Amendment people because they're a strong lobby. Mm-hmm. The NRA is a strong lobby. We keep right. getting told how powerful the NRA is. Mm-hmm. Trump just cites what the left cites all the time. And no, he doesn't mean the NRA. He means gun violence. Well, and Second Amendment people in general, um, and anybody who does any kind of Republican organizing knows this, that... Um, <clears throat> Republicans are woefully bad at being like organized activists. It's just not really their thing that they're good at. You know, uh, Democrats have a decades long history of being really good organizers um, at the community level. But um, the one place where Republicans actually do a really good job, and I say Republicans loosely because it's not 100 percent Republicans, um, is is the Second Amendment people is that they're really um, part of it is because they go out and see each other at ranges all the time. So they have a really solid network of in real life people that they talk to and are around who have very strong feelings all on this issue. So that when it turns out, you know, Maura Healy or whoever is going to pass some law, well, she can't pass laws, but she can. Uh, she sort of can in Massachusetts, I guess we've decided uh, when she decides to reinterpret laws to mean something totally different, wakes up one morning and decides that some type of weapon or bump stock or whatever is illegal. Um, you know, the that person who goes to the range and shoots all the time, they immediately know like 30 other people who feel the same way they do on this issue that they can call up and all go out and write emails and, and make calls and send letters and whatever, you know, that, that it's a very strong and it's a very powerful group. And, and it's a, it's one of the few places where a right wing cause has very strong community level organization. So, and anybody who's involved in organizing Republicans knows this, um, that, 
that it's one of the few places where there there truly is a grassroots movement and you can really get good action on this stuff. Um, right. It, and you would only attribute <clears throat> somebody's willingness to publicly threaten to use our guns against our political enemies and somebody's uh, willingness to suggest that that a candidate and his mm-hmm. followers are picking people randomly out of a crowd and sending them home in stretchers and to suggest that Trump is uh, has a sig- secret, uh, you know, um, a secret, um, you know, back channel uh, association with the Proud Boys and other um, military uh, outfits. You could only do that if first you started you could only ha- hold these fantastical ideas if first mm-hmm. you started with the assumption that he's a monster. Right. And that's where it starts. Right. Because and he's different. Uh, he's on the other team. He's mm-hmm. got wacky hair. speaks like a jerk. Right. Do you remember a column? I think it was Ross Duhat had in the New York Times um, maybe last year. It was around. The- Douthit. Douthit. Is that mm-hmm. how you say it? Do that. Um Dealt it. But he should change it. Anyway, it's hard to say. Yes. But he's a really good columnist at the New York Times. And he had, I think it was him who had a column that he called the scissor. Hmm. That was like that it was around the time of the Covington Catholic thing at the March for Life with the Native American mm-hmm. guy or whatever. And he basically said that like we're reaching a point where like all these events are a scissor where it just divides people like people see two totally different things happen like people watched that video of the covington catholic kid and some people saw a totally different event than other people saw they just saw two different things occur completely you know and and like some people listen to trump talk and they hear mm -hmm. him say something totally different than another group of people hears him say and i believe that they honestly believe that's what they heard you know, I think that all those media people heard in that debate Trump endorsed white supremacists or whatever it was that they said once they got Yeah, but all got those, it's pure confirmation like, bias because they just yeah. know and they want it to be too. In their value system, if Trump is mm-hmm. that bad guy, that makes them a good guy because they're yeah. going all above and beyond. And also, you know, Chris Wallace did the same thing today. I don't have it, but he, he mentioned, you know, and after what he did in Charlottesville, uh, praising white supremacists. You cannot say that he did that in Charlottesville. That would be crazy to think that he did that in Charlottesville. The guy rambled on again and again and again about statues again and again and again. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's so, a- yes, this is his comments from 2019. And it's, he, it's called the Covington Scissor. And it's basically saying that, like, the scissor any of these events where it like splits people off into two totally different groups that they're like algorithmically the absolute best things for like internet clicks and virality of the story because and but that they have the result of driving people more into their own narratives in their own heads like right when people saw the covington thing and turned away believing the left is absolutely against us they're all crazy and the you know, the left looked at it and said, see, the racists are being mean to Native Americans and this is what you get. And, you know, it's and so everybody, not only do they see two totally different things happen, but it it drives them more into their own belief system. It becomes mm. another check mark in the list of ways that the other side is against them. And those are like all the most viral stories operate that way because they get both sides really excited. And like people just this is how we end up in two alternate realities. Uh, that 
the, well, people, well, the in each the, individual event you see two different things happen and each one you're like confirming your own view of the universe more right but th- th- this isn't only how we end up because then if we're not sure then we go to the umpire and say is Media, that what i think what it is? happened exactly and then they tell us yeah he was praising white supremacists and Klansmen. Mm-hmm. or they say yeah the guy was yelling at the indian mm-hmm. and when i saw that the, the covenant catholic kid first thing i thought is what a little a hole that kid is, to, and it said kid is mocking a, a Native American, whatever the mm-hmm. tweet. I said, what a little a hole that is, um, and then I said, you know, it, be, just because there's been such a pattern of this, let me see what else is people the, are saying. See the about whole this. video, exactly. And then it was actually Jerry Callahan who said it, the, the kid doesn't appear to be mocking him; he's just kind of standing there. And then the whole thing came out. Mm-hmm. Like other stuff, like just Jesse Smollett, I just knew from this second one. Yeah, no, no I don't think so. <laughs> but but also, you know, there are people who still believe that the essence of the Jesse Smollett thing is is true. Although it was unbelievable, it was un- there's so many of those are unbelievable. Anyway, here's uh, Mulvaney's uh, response to all this. Yeah, and I know it's I know it's easy for folks now who've never liked the president or always disagreed with his policies or, or really disliked him as a person to say why didn't everybody see this coming? But keep in mind, so many of us that worked with him every single day didn't see him through a filter. In fairness, you, throw, you mm-hmm. saw him oftentimes. You, you've had some face-to-face with him, but most people saw him through the filter of a media that didn't like him very much. We saw him every single day. The reason that I wrote in the Wall Street Journal six weeks ago that I thought the president would leave presidentially uh, is because I had evidence to that end. I had stories. I had background. I had seen that type of president, and I never thought I'd see what I saw on Wednesday. Yes, the rhetoric was very high and very, very fiery. You and I both know, however, that American politicians do this on a regular basis. I could pull you similar clips of Maxine Waters telling people to take to the streets. It's different, though, when, as you said in your entry, um, that people took him literally. I never thought I'd see that. I'd never thought I'd see a day in our country where people from any side of the political spectrum would storm the Capitol in order to intentionally stop the constitutional transfer mm-hmm. of power, which is part of what was happening on Wednesday. That's what's different, Chuck. The, the country is different than I expected. I understand Maybe that. we can talk about that as well. But yeah, it's not the same as it was uh, in those previous examples. Get $30 oh, off oh, your first oh, Blue Apron oh, order oh, and keep dinner interesting. God damn it. <laughs> you, you, roll the, you roll the dice when uh, you try to play a piece of audio, um, but I'll grab right. it for tomorrow. That's Kamala Harris essentially um, supporting the Black Lives Matter. Did you hear the brouhaha about Kamala Harris that's the, the, all over Twitter now? The sneakers? The, the Vogue cover? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit, but I just want get to get to this stuff first. Um, so so there you go, but now it's Trump supporters, um, you know, now... People are jumping ship, essentially. If an impeachment resolution actually comes to the floor, won't many Republicans be hard-pressed to oppose it? Yeah, listen, I think they're all going to have to vote their conscience and and look at what happened. I mean, what we had was an incitement um, to riot at the United States Capitol. We had people killed. Uh, and th- to me, there's not a whole lot of question here. So, you know... So you think it was an impeachable offense? Before Jordan. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and You'd vote to impeach. I think that... You know, in the well, that's if I think it's an impeachable offense, that's exactly what I would do, George. But I'm I'm not in there. But you want my opinion? That's my opinion. I, I don't. I think if if inciting to insurrection isn't, then I don't really know what is. Um, Adam. Can- yeah, I mean, I have less of an issue. I don't think Trump meant to cite an incite an insurrection. I really don't. I don't think he knew that that was the plan. You know. No, but he wanted I mean, the pit bull to be rabid. 
Right. And, and I mean, and, and, and it show up in numbers. I'm more, my bigger problem is, uh, my bigger problem is his reaction when it happened. Yeah, and we'll get to that in just a second here. We're going to work towards that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Here's um, uh, Adam, what's his name? Kinzinger? Kinzinger, he... yeah. Adam Kinzinger. Is the best alternative right now for the president to simply go to resign before his term finishes? I think the best thing would for the country to heal would be for him to resign. The next best thing is the 25th Amendment, and that's why I call on Vice President Pence to do it. This is, this is the thing that just gets this out of the debate in Congress. It doesn't victimize Donald Trump. It makes him look as bad as he has been here and, uh, and its leadership. Look, you know, we ask young men and young women to give their lives for this country every day, and we, we give emotional speeches about it, as we rightfully should. We have to be willing to give our careers to do the right thing when it's something so egregious just as we're facing like we have been in this last Pennsylvania week. Senator Pat Toomey. Well, I think the best way for our country, Chuck, is for the president to resign and go away as soon as possible. Um, I acknowledge that may not be likely, but uh, I think that would be best. It does not look as though there is um, the will or the consensus to exercise the 25th Amendment option. And I don't think there's time to do an impeachment. There's 10 days left before the president leaves anyway. I think the best thing would be a resignation. Senator Roy Blunt is, says, uh, not so quick. Republican senators have now called for the president to resign. Should he? Well, it would be up to him, but my, my view would be what the president should do is now finish the last 10 days uh, of his presidency. So no. Uh, no. <laughs> Your like fellow her. Republicans have been quite critical, uh, including uh, Liz Cheney, including Mitt Romney, who called this an insurrection and said that the president was directly involved. Uh, Justice Department affidavits have individuals saying they came here because the president told him to, them to. Is the president a danger to the country? Well, I think the president's uh, decisions and his actions that day and leading up to that day on this topic were clearly reckless. That one I might answer with another no, Roy, unless you don't believe that, in which case that you should be a little more adamant that he should go. Here's a couple of random Trump fans in Florida. He's he's he finished himself. You don't think he'll continue to have have an impact among Republicans in, in the coming years? Uh, he'll still have supporters, I believe. And would I vote for him again? I actually would because he's a great businessman. But I also feel that he needs to explain himself and just say, hey, I'm a sore loser. That's what it comes down to. He's a billionaire throwing a temper tantrum. So that gets us to to uh, to a conversation I had with a friend and listener, which we talked about last mm-hmm. night, who was angry that I was saying that Trump should go. And so he called me and said... Why are you saying that? That's way too over the top. And I said, well, Trump went AWOL when he needed, to, like as you were about to say, is mm-hmm. when he needed to step up, Trump went AWOL, and he did, didn't do the right thing. Um, and we needed, at that moment, you needed the executive branch to be responsible for the legislative branch. It is their uh, obligation to do so. Mm-hmm. It's his responsibility to do so. And where was he? He was nowhere in that critical moment, and that is, that's the fireable offense right there. He's well, right, a- and the first statement that he did make when he came out and made a statement on video was saying, we love you and you're very special to the people who are mm-hmm. putting national security at risk and wanted to kill his vice president. I mean, like, that's, and maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't fully realize uh, that, but he should have been involved enough in the the um, intelligence and the 
enforcement to try and stop what was going on, that he should have known what was going on over there. And just the lack of curiosity about what was happening, um, if nothing else, is is offensive. You know, like Congress is being attacked by people and you're still either you don't know or you don't care that these are like actually violent people. Not all of them were. I know. I know. There were tons of people who were there who were peaceful. There were tons of people that didn't even go in. There were tons of people who just went in and milled around. But enough. But there were but there were definitely people there who had violence in mind. Uh, Yeah. And, I mean, and you saw a mob today, the video of them pulling the cop yeah, down the we've stairs. Looked, I mean, that they, might be the guy they killed. They killed a cop. There's there's enough. They they trampled a woman to death. Uh, they killed a cop. I mean, I know that people died in the Black Lives Matter riots, too. Absolutely. I'm not endorsing that. I didn't endorse it at the time. And I never went around saying that riots were the language of the unheard. So I, I feel, you know, I feel comfortable that I'm not being a hypocrite here. But that was unacceptable. And his lack of interest in noticing that it was unacceptable was unacceptable. Acceptable. And, and I, still, I, and yeah, you're right. And still, I mean, where is? I mean, you would think you would have a primetime address, but he's there's not no, into it. He's, he's not, not into it. He's not, and probably he hasn't really been being the president since November because mostly he seems to be interested in Dominion voting machines in Georgia or mm-hmm. whatever, um, and not in uh, being the president of the United States. But it, you don't really notice it until you have a moment of crisis, and we had a moment of crisis, and he wasn't there, and you know. It's I know 10 days is a short time, but you can have another crisis in the next 10 days. There's nothing stopping there from being a crisis. And the fact that he seems totally uninterested in being the president, to me, makes it a 25th Amendment situation. Even I know you differ with me on this, that you feel that that's only for when the president is completely incapacitated. But like I... I just if the president like were depressed and wouldn't get out of bed every day or look at briefings because they were depressed, I would say that's a 25th Amendment situation, too. Like you need somebody there who's awake and he's not his head's not in it right now. He's he's just not like I I don't know. I, I think the, America deserves to have a president for the next 10 days. I just and I don't think it's probably going to happen. I think Pence is playing it super cautious and he's not going to do that unless Trump does something else egregious and maybe not even then. But, you know, at this point, my impression is from what I've read, people leaking about what Pence and the cabinet are saying is that they're just hoping that that Trump will lay low and not do anything crazy for the next 10 days. But so so and my friend then Mm -hmm. said, No. Why now does Trump have to be the guy who gets punished for being awful when the left never got to be punished? If they try to impeach him this week, this will be the third time they've tried to throw him out of office since he's been in office. And the mm-hmm. first one started before he was even inaugurated. And they've lied about this and that. They've ginned up. They celebrated, encouraged the rioting and protests of Black Lives Matter stuff. All the Russia stuff was a total, total uh, attempt by not only media but politicians, political opponents, and uh, and established institutions to try to undermine and sink his presidency. So they, uh, this is not in the media coverage and the, the the consternation, the attitudes that these people have in the media. The images of this attack are so shocking that many of Trump's enablers are finally, with just a few days left in his presidency, beginning to get the goddamn point that his continuous lies and humoring of racists and winks and nods to violent extremists are dangerous. Twitter and many other social media outlets have silenced him permanently. Members of his cabinet are bailing like rats from a sinking rat. Like rats from a sinking rat. Some of his closest allies on Capitol Hill 
are now trying to weasel their way out of their responsibility for the bloodshed, how they shared lies for months. And the case for Trump's second impeachment is expected to be introduced to the House tomorrow. His people are weasels and rats who are slinking away. It's <clears throat> the racism, the nods and winks the whole time. Racism, nods and winks? And, and now this stuff has been normalized now into our discourse as fact. Right. And now you're going to let people like Tapper and those people win and be able to put a capstone on this now and see, say, see, you see, this was the culmination of all that we've been telling you for the past four years. So that my friend makes a very good point. Why right. let them win? And especially since my friend, you and I expect that one day things will come back to normal and it will be better for having a template that says, if you do nothing while thugs burn the, <laughs> the Congress, then you have to go. But he's saying that the bad guys are winning everywhere. We're losing the country. Why give them a victory at all? The, the normal times are over. Why hand them a symbolic victory? Because they're snuffing us out. And Trump is one of the only people who gives a damn. You know who handed them a symbolic victory, though? You know who handed them a <laughs> symbolic victory? Were the people rushing the Capitol and banging in the doors of the speaker lobby, speaker's lobby to get at congressmen. The people who were hitting cops with lead pipes on the steps of the Capitol. I mean, those people handed the... the Jake Tapper and all them a symbolic win. I'm not doing it just because I say that's unacceptable and the president needs to step up. President Trump has stepped up in a lot of scenarios where people said he wouldn't. He proved people wrong again and again and again. But, you know, sometimes it's one of these things where, like, it, if you're the president, you have to do it right every time. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's just one time that they were right out of all these times about Trump's behavior and that it mattered. Right. Like, I know that they were wrong every other single time and it doesn't vindicate them. And I get that feeling because it is annoying for them to be right. But on this one particular one, they're right. Trump didn't step up. He didn't yeah, do the right thing. They're using this one to set the rest of them in stone. Right. I mean, and I get rewrite that. rewrite history that we all just saw based on. Chuck Todd's timeline of events, the apocryphal timeline that he cites as fact, will be considered fact. Sure, but okay, so let me use a like a marital example here, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so what if you are a person who you like say work in a field where you have a lot of opportunities to like cheat on your wife, right? Yes. Like, and um and you like resist the urge and you resist the urge, and your wife is like really suspicious all the time, and she's always saying, like, you know. What if, you know, I think you're cheating and you're probably cheating and you, and you never do it. And Sally, he can have ice cream if you have ice cream downstairs. Ooh, Cyril, do you want to have some ice cream and watch Booba? Ooh, ice cream. I want the ice cream, Cyril. Do you want to go eat ice cream? Ooh, ice cream. Ice cream, Cyril. Do you want to watch on my phone? Do you want to play on my iPad? Ooh, Sally's iPad. Thank you, Sally. That's nice. Want to play in Sally's iPad? And ice cream, Cyril. Yay. Come on. Come on. Um, but... Uh, Cyril, go. Go. I made ice cream. Hey, okay, you know what? We'll, we'll, what I'll do is I'm going to get play the Schwarzenegger stuff, and you guys can do hostage negotiations over there for a second. Okay. And then we'll get back to your thought. Okay. okay. So Schwarzenegger, uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger also was on... <clears throat> On a Twitter today, and uh, not on Twitter. Well, it was on Twitter, but he made a video. Essentially, it, it, this video is interesting. It was a a um, Thomas Paine kind of proclamation that uh, you know we need to all 
<clears throat> pay attention to this because this is um, this is a resemblance of something in history that touched Schwarzenegger personally. And I'll let you decide what you feel about the whole thing. As an immigrant to this country, I would like to say a few words to my fellow Americans and to our friends around the world about the events of recent days. Do we love that it's produced with backing music? Now, I grew up in Austria. I'm very aware of Kristallnacht, or the Night of Broken Glass. It was a night of rampage against the Jews carried out in 1938. And it was nothing like what happened at the Capitol. I, and I know we all know where he's going here, and I like Schwarzenegger, I always will. But uh, it, it wasn't Kristallnacht what happened. But the there was a guy dressed as an elk running through the wells of the uh, Senate. You know, that's a little different. That's the equivalent of the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys generally are drunken louts who, uh, you know, took it to the next... I don't even know who that was exactly taking it to the next level this time, but absolutely were involved in a in at least a thuggish, or maybe you can call it terrorist, depending on what they did act. But it's not... They're not the same as the uh, stormtroopers or the SS and squads of brown shirts... Uh, from the 30s. They're, it's not the same. This parallel doesn't work. This is a nice speech, but the parallel does not work. Oh, you can't see me, can you? Hold on, I'll try to get that. Wednesday was the day of broken glass right here in the United States. The broken glass was in the windows <laughs> of the United States Capitol. But the mob did not just shatter the windows of the Capitol. They shattered the ideals we took for granted. Eh, uh, I understand we're being poetic here, so... But... Eh. They did not just break down the doors of the building that housed the American democracy. They trampled the very principles on which our country was founded. Now, I grew up in the ruins of a country that suffered the loss of its democracy. I was born in 1947, two years after the Second World War. Growing up, I was surrounded by broken men drinking away their guilt over their participation in the most evil regime in history. Not all of them were rabid anti-Semites or not. The picture of <coughs> Schwarzenegger behind him flexing <laughs> from the 70s, from like a pumping iron. Yeah, from pumping iron or something is, is priceless. He's also holding his sword from Conan the Barbarian. Nazis, many just went along, step by step, down the road. They were the people next door. Now, I've never shared this so publicly because... It is a painful memory. But my father would come home drunk once or twice a week. At least he came home, Arnold. And he would scream and hit us Ooh. and scare my mother. I did not hold him totally responsible because our neighbor was doing the same thing to his family. And so was the next neighbor over. I heard it with my own ears and saw it with my own eyes. They were in physical pain from the shrapnel in their bodies and in emotional pain from what they saw or did. A good it work. all started with lies and lies and lies and intolerance. So being from Europe, I've seen firsthand how things can spin out of control. I know there is a fear in this country and all over the world that something like this could happen right here. Now, I do not believe it is, but I do believe that we must be aware of the dire consequences of selfishness and cynicism. President Trump sought to overturn the results of an election. That is true. And of a fair election. 
He saw the coup by misleading people with lies. My father and our neighbors were misled also with lies. And I know where such lies lead. President Trump is a failed leader. He will go down in history as the worst president ever. I disagree with that. I think uh, Woodrow Wilson, um, I think he's a better president than Obama was. If you just, other than behaviorally, maybe, um, and communications wise, uh, President Trump got a lot of good stuff done. He also didn't start any new big wars. He also didn't drone American citizens. He also didn't lie and take away your health care. You know, there's a the he's the Abraham Accords. There's things to celebrate. The uh, First Step Act is a very progressive and <clears throat> gutsy thing for a president to do. Would never have happened with a Democratic or Republican president if it wasn't for President Trump. Like we said earlier, the tax cuts are very important things. He was actually uh, very tough on Russia, except for when he was in Helsinki with Putin, where he was hugging him for some reason. Um, but <clears throat> but uh, his deregulation will be a model. Of um, of uh, you know minimal gov- government uh, regulatory interference in something that also stokes the economy. That's very good stuff. Those are very good things. He got a lot done this last year. The handling of COVID by the federal government was not good. His communications around COVID was not good. Um, and then finally, his uh, his behavior uh, after the election has not been good, and his behavior. This last Wednesday was an abdication of his responsibilities, and that was terrible. But I don't think if you're if you're a President Trump fan, if you like him, there are certain some some really good things you can you can point to. <clears throat> the worst president ever. Eh, uh, I don't I don't see it. There's still time, but no. The good thing is that he soon will be as irrelevant as an old tweet. But what are we to make of those elected officials? who have enabled his lies and his treachery. I will remind them of what Teddy Roosevelt said. Patriotism means to stand by the country. It does not mean to stand by the president. John F. Kennedy wrote a book called Profiles in Courage. Almost nobody thinks he wrote that book. A number of members of my own party, because of their own spinelessness, We'll never see their names in such a book, I guarantee you. <laughs> They're complacent with those who carry the flag of self-righteous insurrection into the capital. There's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. For your own political good to to propagate the falsehoods about the election being out and out stolen from Trump, that is, though maybe a typical thing to do in Washington, D.C., that is cynical and not healthy for democracies. But there's a lot of stuff going on in Washington D.C. that is not healthy for democracies. It has, to me, I'm disappointed in, in Cruz. I, I'm, I don't really consider him a serious, um, a serious person anymore. I mean, that's really kind of a sellout move. But it did not work. Our democracy held firm. Within hours, the Senate and the House of Representatives were doing the people's business and certifying the election of President-elect Biden. What a great display of democracy. Now, I grew up Catholic. I went to church, to Catholic school. I learned the Bible and my catechism and all this. And from those days, I remember a phrase that has been tempered by wars, injustices, and insurrections. He had just played with a sword for a while and went through how to build the sword. I believe 
as shaken as we are by the events of recent days, we will come out stronger because we now understand what can be lost. We need reforms, of course, so that this never ever happens again. We need to hold accountable the people that brought us to this unforgivable point. And we need to look past ourselves, our parties and disagreements and put our democracy first. So this is a little bit dangerous because this whole thing that we need truth and reconciliation committees and we need to make a list of people who enabled Trump. Uh, that is dangerous. And to try to hold culpable, I've had some moron on social media t- telling me, a guy fairly esteemed reputation, I mean, I need to apologize as one of the people who enabled Trump. That's not how it works. We're not, we didn't tell Trump to do what he did this week. Well, any more than, you know, either any more than that guy's responsible for Obama droning an American citizen or the war in Iraq if you're a Bush person, you know. This is not, you know, we vote for a person who we believe and hope will make right choices. Some choices aren't right. Some choices are right. We're not all culpable for the, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, score sheet at the end of the day of our elected leaders. And also with Schwarzenegger saying this, this all this talk of you're you're equating Trump with Nazis with Hitler, and so. You're suggesting that the people who enabled him to do what he did, none of which is Hitlerian, um, you know, need to be put through, processed through a modern-day Nuremberg, where a lot of Nazi collaborators were hanged. That's pretty scary stuff, considering we're already shutting down speech on platforms and uh, really in, in academia and elsewhere. No. You know, if anything, the shades of fascism are coming from the other side. And we need to heal together from the drama of what has just happened. We need to heal, not as Republicans or as Democrats, but as Americans. All right. That's fine. But the moment that the next administration does something that's incredibly divisive and harmful... Remember, we're supposed to be healing. We're supposed to be healing. Now, to begin this process, no matter what your political affiliation is, I ask you to join me in saying to President-elect Biden, President-elect Biden, we wish you great success as our president. If you succeed, our nation succeeds. <clears throat> I won't be saying that. Thank you for the, uh, the script. Uh, I won't be saying anybody's script. Or, de, you know, declaring loudly what lives do and don't matter. Um, do I want Biden to succeed? I don't want much of his platform to succeed. I want him to govern and you know, execute his duties in a competent way. I want him to not harm uh, the fortunes and livelihoods of Americans. I would prefer that um, he not succeed in rekindling a warm relationship with radical jihadis in Iran. And um, I think I hope he succeeds in, in in punishing the Chinese for their part in this mess this year. And whoever else hacked us, if it's you know, China is responsible for one, I understand, but the huge Russian hack as well. Make them pay. I would like to see uh, some comeuppance for all that stuff. But succeed? I don't want his platform to succeed. Unless, if they can succeed, and this is a possibility, 
because the 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 Senate is fifty fifty really. They've got they've got the tiebreaker, um, and Congress is too is so close. Is that other than raising taxes, Biden's going to have to negotiate with the Republicans, and that would be a good thing. Compromise discussions, robust debate, all that stuff. Those are good and important things. And it would be nice as well if, if we started to have Congress do a little bit more of its job, um, you know, rather than a hurried end of the year omnibus, uh, you know, buffet of pork for the world. We support it with all our hearts as you seek to bring us together. Oh, Jesus, stop pleading fealty to politicians like they're freaking clerics or they're like they're icons and gods and. Jesus, we support with all our hearts as you bring us together. Stop it. And that those who think they can overturn the United States Constitution know this. You will never win. President-elect Biden, we stand with you today, oh, tomorrow, geez. and forever in defense of our democracy from those who would threaten it. May God bless all of you, and may God bless Dogs. America. He's running. So I have, I still like Schwarzenegger. I think that was a little schmaltzy. <clears throat> but if he's trying to use his um, popularity for unity or something, that's a, it's a positive message and it's a nice gesture. Um, he didn't sing Imagine to me, which I appreciate. Although it could be humorous. Um, but... Um, it, it, fine. It's it's symbolism and it feels good and it's something that a lot of people will will think is excellent. I'm not going to uh I'm not going to worry too much about it. It's the worst thing in the world. So I was when was it? Friday. I stayed with my Oh, uh, I went to uh, 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 it, it Hi, Pepper. That looks like Alice Shattuck is making her return. Come here, Pepper. Looks like the hostage negotiations have been <laughs> successful. Um, so Friday, uh, uh, so I'm fat and I, um, broke the toilet seat. Uh, was it yesterday? Yes. Yesterday. This is the second time I've done that. And what else did I do? Um, oh yes. My jacket, my wife got me a jacket that's actually made in China from Wenzhen company or whatever it's called, something like that. And... It's a great, cool jacket. It's tan. It kind of looks like a military-style jacket almost. And I love the design of the whole thing. And it's a triple X jacket. <laughs> and um, it wouldn't fit around my primary fit. Nope, oh, hold on. You're not on. It wouldn't fit, fit around my primary fat roll. And so that was another sign that I'm fat. And and um, hold on. What did it say? What did it say? <laughs> but the, the tag of the jacket is great. The tag of the jacket says, uh, product can be trust. <laughs> product can be trust. So my product can be trust jacket does not fit me. So my other warning I got, my, my rock bottom about being too fat, Alice, is mm -hmm. that I saw, um, we, I was in Charlestown Friday, and so I sent a text to Jerry Kelly and said, hey, we're at this bar restaurant down the street from you. Come mm -hmm. on by if you're around. He didn't, he didn't uh, respond to the text. Um, so I didn't know, I figured, you know, he, he, he's not in, whatever. So anyway, so we order and it's three of us who are, you know, a shade over 300 pounds, I would say. <clears throat> and the table's full of food 
and I got this pork belly, and I'm I shove it in my <laughs> face because I'm a fat, and I'm eating it. And right then, Jerry walks in. Jerry's a thin guy. He's he, he like jogs all the time, mm-hmm. and he sees us there. I got this like <laughs> big beer. And I got this. I'm and I'm, I can't talk because my face. Oh. And it was just a it was a horrible gluttonous moment that really I could I I might as well have been freebasing uh, butter at the at the table, <laughs> and that would have been less disgraceful. Mm-hmm. So that's it, Alice. Starting tomorrow, new regime, new oh, regime, good. and I'm you're gonna miss, you're gonna miss this, Alice. I quarter am friend gonna of miss ours. it. I'm gonna miss. <clears throat> it. Is there anything you wanted to say about the Schwarzenegger um, video? Uh, no, I'm okay with the Schwarzenegger video. I did want to finish my thought though, because I know people are mad at me about this, about the 25th Amendment and whatever. And I like, I know that it's not going to happen, which is it's fine. But I, you know, I defend my view that it should and. And like you were saying, like, yeah, it vindicates all these people who were who have been saying this stuff about Trump all along. And, it you know, makes it so that they feel that they're vindicated. But like the example I was trying to give, if you're a person who like has the opportunity to cheat on your wife a lot and you never cheat on your wife, never cheat on your wife and never cheat on your wife. And she's really suspicious. And then one day you cheat on her and she finds out then, you know, she's going to think she was right about you the whole time. Right. But you still did it that time. So sorry, like you only get one, you know, like you only have to do it one time. And all of a sudden you're a cheater and you're the bad guy. And that's like how I feel about this is if you're the president of the United States, you don't get mulligans where you don't show up for a crisis. Maybe, maybe I could see it if he was like really remorseful and felt bad and like, you know, seemed to be doing something about it. But he doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. He doesn't seem to really care at all remotely about any of this you know what i mean he was still tweeting when he got banned off twitter he was still tweeting about how the election was stolen from him and now let me make um another clarification which is that although i don't think that he should be president for the next 10 days and uh i'm have concerns about the country not being run by anybody at the moment um I don't think that he should be removed from Twitter. I don't think he should be removed from any of these other places, Snapchat and TikTok and Pinterest and everywhere has taken him off. Shopify has taken him off. He's gone from every platform. And um, that's that's wrong and concerning and bad. But I'm almost more concerned about the fact that um, Parler has not only been taken off of the Apple and Google app stores, but um, is being dumped today at midnight tonight from Amazon Web Services. So they're not allowed now to have a website on the Internet because people said bad stuff on the platform. Uh, And that, to me, that's the most concerning development from all this. And remember, uh, you know, Ahmadinejad can happily tweet away. Oh, yeah. It does. No problem. But we have to erase Trump from Home Alone 2 because he's so dangerous that we can't see him give McCulloch Culkin directions. Right. And forget about the guy dressed as a deer in the Capitol. Mm -hmm. But folks who voted for Trump and believe he's getting screwed, Mm -hmm. you look at this and they're validated. And he is getting screwed. And conservatives are getting screwed. He platformed left and right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so... You know, the the grand narrative that everybody's really unfair to Trump is absolutely true. It absolutely is true that big tech is against him and the media is against him and they conspired to make sure he couldn't win that election. You know, they stomped on and destroyed the Hunter Biden story 
because they wanted Biden to win the election and they wanted to make yeah. sure to get rid of Trump. And that that's absolutely true. Um, it doesn't change the, you know, the fact that Biden won now. So that's, you know, you can't decertify it's the electoral factor, votes. Of course it is. Of course. Of course. And I, I believe that without that, Trump possibly could have still won that yes. election. Um, you know, and that that was unfair. But. You know, once the states have certified their electoral votes and Congress has counted them and every like that, you know, there's not really a, a you don't get a redo because the media was mean to you, you know, but this is a real problem. And it, yeah. and this is a real the, what we're seeing in the reaction of the tech companies to this is incredibly dangerous. I mean, I'm seeing conservatives talk about, um, you know going to ham radio operation as a means of communication it, it, it not jokingly and these are not nut job people i'm seeing people talk seriously about getting into ham radio because there's going to be nothing left for conservatives i mean to underscore how big this amazon web hosting thing is uh, amazon web hosts 40 percent of the internet 40% yeah. of the internet is on one web provider and there's only a couple others. You know, you can build your own infrastructure to host like a small website, but for a social media site at the scale that Parler wants to be like a competitor to Twitter, you can't, you can't, you certainly can't overnight build that kind of hosting infrastructure. Uh, you might be able to work out something in the medium term, but the type of security uh, and, and stability and size that you need to run a global social media site is just really hard to do on your own. You know, Gab has their own infrastructure. Um, so they haven't been taken down, but they've been now so overrun with people coming on to sign up that they haven't even, their website's barely been up since all this happened because it keeps going down because people keep trying to go on it. So if you want a website that doesn't go down when a bunch of people try and go on it, you know, you're really looking at trying to have like an enterprise level web hosting provider, which really doesn't exist uh, for conservatives at this moment. So, and the, you know, the head of Parler has now said that they're looking at being down probably at least a week when Amazon takes them off because they just don't have, you know, in 24, 48 hours, the ability to come up with something. And that's, that's really dangerous. You know, you can sit here and tell me, well, go start your own social network. But like, go start your own Amazon is a bit of a tall order. You know, like, go start your own company that undergirds 40% of the internet. That's, yeah, that's a realistic solution. I mean, and I think we have to look at the idea, you know, that maybe, um, I'm not at the point where I think social media is infrastructure the same way that the electric company or the phone company is. But uh, I would say that that you could argue that web hosting is infrastructure, that that's, um, uh, that, that's yeah. a, that that's a core fundamental thing that like, you know, we don't cut off people's telephone because mm -hmm. they're a Nazi, you know, and we don't cut off their electricity or their heat in the winter because they're a Nazi. So I think maybe that that should be like, at this point, a bar that we don't fall below where, like, we shouldn't be cutting off uh, people's ability to have a website. Right. And, and even more of a, of a you know, a, a you know, um, more blatant um, example is, you know, Amazon uses the literal 
infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, the roads right. and everything else. You know, uh, every day, yeah. as a matter of fact, a growing number of those vehicles using the infrastructure are right. delivery vehicles. So, you know, I just, I'm open to the idea that Twitter is still, like, not a God-given right to have a Twitter account. Uh, that You know, Twitter should... Uh, has some ability to regulate who's on Twitter. Like, I, I still think that that sort of makes sense. Um, but the idea that you have no right to uh, have a website if you can't build your own hosting provider at the level of Amazon, that seems a little bit scary to me. I mean, more than a little bit scary. And this is why I'm seeing people talk about, you know, moving to ham radio operators or if you keep your photos on Dropbox or other web hosting services, if you keep... Uh, a, I mean, if you keep anything in any cloud anywhere, you should be concerned that if you tweet the wrong thing, it'll all be gone yes. tomorrow. You know, and that's that's a scary thought. That's like something and that's the way China is, truly. You know, in China, it, you're on camera all the time and if you say the wrong thing, if you text somebody the wrong thing, if you don't pick up your dog's poop when it poops and you leave it there and you walk on and the facial recognition cameras catch you, your social credit score goes down and you find yourself like unable to book train tickets and stuff. Like that's the way China works. Your life gets more difficult in these imperceptible ways. Like you're, you get bumped to the lower tier of life by, by having this. And, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. Another thing I was talking about with you is I, I think maybe, um, you know, D.C. is the only place in the country where uh, public accommodation laws and non-discrimination laws apply to uh, political views. You know, if you're a restaurant in D.C., you can't discriminate based on whether someone's a Republican mm -hmm. or a Democrat. Um, and, you know, I think maybe it would help our country if we expanded that to other parts of the country. Because at this point, I mean, you can't discriminate based on religion already, right? So, and at this point, I feel that politics has now taken the place of religion in the lives of so many people that, uh, you know, maybe we need to treat it similarly. This is not going to bode well for the uh, cake makers who don't want to do gay weddings, Alice. Oh, uh, well, they already have to. So, like. Do they? Is that a done thing? Okay, yeah, so they've been gone after already, and that's like, so that's I guess my point is that you know if they have to bake the wedding cake, then like maybe you have to web host websites that you don't like, you Ooh, know? Okay. <laughs> All right, so a little bit of good news before we get into our last topic. Um, it, it is Sunday night. Nickelodeon is hosting a football game. This just mm. happened. Nickelodeon is hosting a football game. The, okay. The kids, the greatest kids channel ever. The Bears and the Saints happening. And just a moment ago, this happened. Conduct that was money. Appreciate it. Pounds on his own. All right. <laughs> that was the player caught on a hot mic saying, "What the heck?" So to speak. <laughs> so I'll clean that up for the audio. And so I want to switch here. Okay. And did did we talk about the, the Jonah Goldberg podcast yesterday? So know. Jonah Goldberg, you know him. He's with the rem, not with the remnant, with the dispatch. Mm -hmm. uh, his podcast is called The Remnant, and and he had a podcast yesterday, and it was really like forty five minutes of Trump bashing, and you know he's he's not a, he's never been a Trump guy, and now he's more angry at him and stuff. Okay, he's a smart guy and a good listen and an interesting guy and intellectually honest, and even when it's cost him, mm -hmm. and so I respect him. 
I know that a lot of Trump fans hate him, but I, I respect him and I, I enjoy him. He, um, at the end of his podcast, got into a new topic. He talked about his sister-in-law, Chantel. So I don't know if you know about Jonah, but his brother supposedly was a brilliant guy as well, if you see all the stuff written about him. But his brother struggled with addictions, et cetera, mm-hmm. and died at 43, like okay. six years ago or, or so. His brother was married to a woman named Chantel. Mm-hmm. Chantel um, just died. This is um, a week ago, right around Christmas. And uh, this is how, how Jonah kind of told his audience. My brother's widow, Chantal, passed away um, early, uh, late in the night on the day before Christmas Eve. But I got the call first thing in the morning on Christmas Eve that Chantal had died. And, um, Chantal was a beautiful, sweet souled person who suffered from the worst form of sickle cell anemia. Um, she was in terrible, terrible health for a long time. So that's tragic and that you feel for him, et cetera. And you know, that it, it seems that that, that whole story of his, that side of the family is tough, but he, but Jonah then went into and, and I thought this was so brilliant of him. You, you're probably going to cry soon, Alice. Just okay. But, but this was probably so brilliant of him. He, he got into some of the things you lose when loved ones die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had my parents die. My, my, um, many of you listening have. I know that some of our friends around here, we've talked about it. Um, you know, when you have somebody who you love die, um, it, whether it's parents or a sibling or if if it's a child, I can't imagine that one would go go there. Um, it, it's not just it's such an odd thing to go through. It's not just like when, when my father died. Um, it was if my life was a thousand lights, two hundred fifty of them went went out, and it's heartbreaking. And people say like, "How's your dad doing? Is he is he hanging on?" And then you have to say these new words. My no, my dad is dead, and it feels like you're betraying your parent. And it's not you know, there's no training for it. Nobody tells you how to do this stuff. And it's like it's and and then they throw this thing in front of you, and then they say, you know, write a bio for the newspapers or whatever for his for the thing for the funeral home, whatever that thing's called, and and you're doing this weird work, and then the guy who who, who does the casket and the burial gives you a bill for eight grand and and you know and then you're walking into your into your like your loved one's room and everything's there but him and there's a soup can he put there yesterday and and like, you're like holy it's it's just it's just it's 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 a crazy experience to go through and I know that you're you're listening right now you know uh, you get it um, and so Jonah. Talks about a specific aspect of this. The real source of meaning in your life has to start with family. And I understand that some people don't have great families. Um, and that doesn't mean that they can't create something like a family of their own um, or, or create not something like, but create an actual family of their own um, to deal with the fact that they didn't have one growing up. But I really love my family. And 
one of the things I'm most jealous of my wife about is that she has this huge family and, um, and it, one of the things you get with having a huge family is you have, um, you've diversified the repositories of institutional memory. Um, you just have more people who can keep people's memories alive. It's just a, it's a, it's a purely a numbers thing (laughs) where, you know, the more people you have to remember stuff and to talk about stuff and play, remember when, and all of that, the more you keep the stuff um, alive in your heart or the easier it is to keep it alive in your heart. My wife, she's had her share of deaths in her family as well. She lost a brother in the last year. She lost a sister a few years ago. She lost both of her parents in the last, I guess, five years. Um, but there are 20 something grandkids. There are still, um, seven of the siblings of my wife's generation around. And it's just a huge wellspring of, of memory. And you know how that is, Alice. I mean, you're, you went to, you used to go to Manhattan with your grandparents Mm -hmm. and to Washington square park. Mm -hmm. And you know, there were, there were three accounts of that. Right. And now there's just one account of that. Right. And it's one of those things that, that it's you guys listening. Same with you. I know that, that, that you, by the way, there's a point here. I'm not trying to just get everybody to drink themselves <laughs> to death tonight. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, the, the point is the important stuff. The point, the important stuff is not Jake Tapper saying, God damn it. And it's not the Nickelodeon football player on Nickelodeon teaching kids the F word for the first time in their lives. But the importance of the important things. All families are unique, you know, and I'm not making the sort of all families are happy in the same way, none of that stuff. I mean, each one is its own little civilization, its own little culture. It's got its own shibboleths, its own. What is a shibboleth? Shibboleth? Do you know? Um, I think it's like a thing that haunts you, kind of like a. That, really? I wouldn't think that's a shibboleth. I hear it all the time, and I never know um, what it is. Okay. A custom principle or belief distinguishing a particular class or group of people, especially a long-standing one regarded as outmoded or no longer important. Okay. Internal language, its own shared memories, and um, people can be invited into it um, and become part of it as immigrants um, but they, they, their experience, you know, it adds to the richness and the uniqueness of it. Um, but at the end of the day, there are these, these small things that only a handful of people are in on. And you're right. And this is one of the reasons I, I like it when your family comes over. You all eat junk mm-hmm. food and curl up in the couch <laughs> together and all talk over each other. And then you sing songs like the Who's in Whoville. And it's nice. And you have that. That's your, your unique club thing (laughs) when my brother died so young um i kind of felt like a huge chunk of the for want of a better analogy sort of the the oral history of my civilization had just been wiped out you know you hear these stories about how in the um in very you know was like in, in ukraine when the soviets wiped out so much of the the orthodox church there 
a lot of their institutional memory was passed along orally and wasn't necessarily written down. And so you're really committing a kind of cultural genocide when you get rid of things like that if you don't have the memory for it. You know, it's like people who still trying to keep like languages alive. Um, once the last person who actually speaks that language in a authentic way, the having grown up in it, that language, it can be brought back, but it's not going to be brought back the same. Very, very, you know, accurate to what one of the, the, the painful thing is, mm-hmm. is like we've been talking about, is that all of that stuff that in my own situation, all that stuff, the history of my own family in Vermont, mm-hmm. et cetera, and, um, and uh, you know, the attributes of uncles and aunts and my grandfather and grandmother and all mm-hmm. that stuff, all that stuff where my dad was a repository of all that, where he was the repository of all the film of me throwing the ball to him. Right. You know? And it's funny that you say that, too, because this is something my mom always says. It's like, always write who is in the family photograph oh, on yeah, the back yeah. of the photograph because you know and you don't think to write it there because it seems so obvious oh yeah that's cousin allison that's me that's your aunt blah 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 like you know all the people and it seems obvious to you but now think about like pictures of your parents generation right like who's in those pictures right. you recognize all the people in your parents generation probably our kids will will their kids will they recognize people right. if that, the photos weren't those labeled are, those are material things you know, you know? that's that's important Mm-hmm. And that's something. And I was thinking of that when I heard this as well. Yeah. But it's the other stuff. It's the, you know, you know, I'm, I just turned 48. I have cha- challenges when I'm 48 that I wish I could ask my dad about. Mm-hmm. You know, I am a manager. My dad was a manager. I wish I could know about how things that he went through. Right. All of these things, um, all of these, uh, you know, all of these things that answers so you know it's wisdom not only are your parents older and this is the sake of parents for siblings you know it's a different animal too and he's gonna get into that but um you know they they not only not only do they hold the case file to a life lived longer than yours Mm -hmm. but they hold the case file of your life right and so they've got insight and all sorts of special stuff that that is it just gets purged deleted so then this is where you may lose it all um okay so then jonah reads a a g file which is his blog post newsletter that he wrote the day um right after his brother died this families are similarly similarly unique each has its own cultural contours and configurations uniqueness might be hard to discern from the outside and it certainly might seem trivial to the casual observer But just as one platoon of Marines might look like another to a civilian, or one business might seem indistinguishable from the one next door, but as we all know, the reality is different. Each meaningful institution has a culture all its own. Each family has its inside jokes, its peculiar way of doing things, its habit and its mores developed around a specific shared experience. One of the things that keeps slugging me in the face is the fact that my cultural the cultural memory of our little family has been dealt a terrible blow. Sure, my mom's around, but sons have different memory of family than parents. And Josh's recall for such things was always not only better than mine, but different than mine as well. I remembered things he'd forgotten and vice versa. 
in what seems like the blink of an eye, whole volumes of institu institutional memory have simply vanished. And that is a terrible, lonely thought that no amount of company and condolence can ease or erase. I'm really sorry. I'd, if I'd known I wouldn't be able to keep it together, I wouldn't have recorded this at all. Um, but that's how I feel about Chantal going. She had memories of Josh that are now lost. Um, she had memories of me that I don't remember that are now lost. Um, and they had no kids. So it's, it's kind of like this tiny little bit of civilization is just cleaved off. And, you know, as my people say, her memory is a blessing. But so my, my larger point is building up these memories, building up your own little civilizations is where the really important work of life is done and not all the stupid politics. I'll see you next time. Pretty powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that, 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 that is, you know, that is, uh, you know, the whole thing, well, I'll have a link to it, but the whole thing is that story is maybe 12 minutes long. And, it, and I think it's maybe 12 minutes of Jonah Goldberg's finest work. Right. That is, it is such a pertinent issue when you've you know when you lose somebody, and it is it, it's hard to say because when somebody that you love dies, and you're the one you know writing the checks and doing the stuff and doing this and and going through all the heartbreaking crap and you just want it to be over, and get through the the funeral and get through the wake and get buried in the ground, and go in the house and freaking collapse. It's you don't know what happened, and and a lot of times you never want to look back again. It, you know, a lot of these people lose pe people, and it's painful. And so, <clears throat> for him to, you know, bring this this insight from only somebody who's been in the club would know. Mm -hmm. You know, only if you've been shocked by by losing somebody very close to you like that, I think is incredibly valuable, and. And it's, I mean, it is, it's, and that, that's the thing with, with somebody dying, you know how um, being in love hurts when somebody breaks up and you can't imagine, we're not going to call me anymore. We're not going to be able to, to hold each other mm -hmm. anymore. That, that's all over suddenly, but you're right here and then, you know, well, you know, when somebody dies, it's, I always felt it was, it felt like an amputation. Right. And, and there's no good, you know, in some case, maybe there is for you and for folks, mm -hmm. folks listening, but, there's, but sometimes it's just. It's it's no good. So, but 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 the stuff that matters is those, like he says, is making those memories. Mm -hmm. That's the good stuff. That's the stuff that counts. That's the fun stuff. Right. And for you know, it, Trump will get pulled out of the the uh, White House, or he'll just leave, or he'll quit, whatever. Despite what OJ and Schwarzenegger say, the Republic will repair itself. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, this stuff is a distraction. And even when this stuff is big and important, it's a distraction. You know, honestly, it's 
even in 1776, when there was a war and a new republic was starting and everything else, um, most people had lives to live. You're not going to put people at ease, Alice, by saying that. <laughs> Jesus. But, but I, mean, I mean it, though. Like... You yeah, know, but, but this also isn't 1776. Okay, it's also not 1776. But my point is that even when this stuff is really big, which this is not, um, the, even when it's really big, it's still not as important as what's happening in your house. Right. You know, and and I think the reflection on memory in particular is really interesting and on institutional memory and cultural memory and passing things on to people um, because... It's really at the core of human civilization. And I don't know what it does to a people that we so very much lack memory. I mean, you and I see this all the time when we look at the news and it's like every day is a totally clean slate of reaction to things. People don't remember what happened six months ago, much less what happened six years ago in the Obama administration. They can't get that far. And because... We just react to things in real time. And because it's all saved for us on the internet, nobody bothers to remember anything. And that plays out in our lives, that we don't remember things. We don't remember people's phone numbers. We don't take the time, because we have, you know, a million billion photographs of everything. We don't take the time to really, like, sit in the moment and think about things and remember them and absorb them. And, you know, that's really something that's very different from... Uh, most of human culture, you know, for most of human culture, people had to remember things and they did pass down things orally and talk about things. And that's the way people held on to memory. They didn't write it down. They didn't have, even if they could read, they didn't paper and writing instruments and everything was very expensive. It was expensive to be trained to learn to write all these things. Most regular people couldn't do that. And our shared memories together, and whether it's at a family level or a cultural level, it's something that's that's really really important. And Joan, in that he mentions the um, the the Jewish phrase that is said when somebody passes away, which is um, "may may their memory be a blessing." Uh, um, and you know, I can't speak much to the theological significance of that, but I know that in the Orthodox Church, people say "may may their memory be eternal." Hmm. And, you know, I've thought about that expression a lot, like, because people are so obsessed with making sure people are remembered, setting up foundations and making big tombstones. And if you're a pharaoh in Egypt, then you set up like the biggest tombstones ever that still exist thousands of years later. But ultimately, all of that is going to go away and disappear because humankind in our lives, we in, in our world, we nothing does last forever. It all falls down. It all goes away. It all gets lost and forgotten. And, you know, it's very easy to fall down the hole of like that we're just so insignificant and we return to dust and we're nothing. Um, but saying that phrase, may someone's memory be eternal, reminds us that even though we are dust, we believe in a God that remembers everything about us. I mean, every, counts the hairs on our head, knows every sparrow that falls to the ground and cares about it, you know, and and knows all these little things, all these lost things, like what you've spent every minute of your life doing and all your fears and all your cares and all your worries and that that stuff that we feel like we lose when someone does die, it is it isn't it isn't lost. It is 
it is preserved. And our mom looking at us when we're a baby, like that's still somewhere. It's recorded in a hard drive somewhere. And that's, you know, there's only one place that can hold something eternally. And that's with God. So I don't know. Now I'm emotional too. No, no, I understand it. And I also also think that, you know, life is about moments. And, you know, it's moments, although, you know, I'm on Twitter and I'm in the news cycle. It's part of my job and, and it's, you know, it, it, it's what I do. It's my thing. Right. It's my, um, but, like, moments spent you know, caring about little things. You know, it really, though I call him out for being a jerk, <laughs> Jake Tapper being a jerk, you know, living in Georgetown, wherever he lives, really doesn't affect me in my house whatsoever. <laughs> it doesn't, you know? no. Um, and so, like, I, I just see a lot of people engage. It's especially on Facebook and, and Twitter, etc. In these long, drawn-out battles of one-upping each other and this and that and f mm-hmm. you and this and that, or tagging me and my work on if I've written the wrong thing, <laughs> try to get me fired or something. You know, some somebody having you know, somebody going in and finding like an old, a picture of me somewhere and saying I look like an ass hat or whatever they, they say. <laughs> And none of that matters. And it, and it, well, right. and thankfully, I'm, I am. I, I, it doesn't really bother me. I, I, I rarely get I get bothered by anything like that. But it's like it, life's about moments. So spending any moments in in a world, a fake world, you know, of, mm-hmm. of, of people not expressing their real selves and real beliefs, because most people are much more decent than they are when they're on right. these things, is not a good moment. Like yes, it, mm-hmm. is is a waste of moments. And it's just going to be speak. It's it literally it's spam. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah it's. But true. like you know, yesterday I told you that a friend of mine I saw that she with her chickens was feeding them these dried mealworms. Mm-hmm. She'd hold them over the chickens, and the chickens would jump up and eat them out of her hand. She'd just dangle them. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, so yesterday I tried it, and I was very nervous. Um, I because I don't have poultry eat out of my hand a lot, so I was holding my little mealworm, and little Jerry Callahan was walking over because he's all he's the smartest one, and he knows something's up. So I hold it above him, and he looks at me, and he cocks his head way up to look at my hand. He knows it's good. His head's cocked up in a special way now, and he launches up and he grabs it and he nips my finger too, which I don't want to tell the woman who told me to do this. It scares me a little bit, and a tiny bit hurts because she's not complaining that it hurts. But then I got, I did a few, and he's got this special last cocked head thing he does right before he launches up in the air. It's really weird. It looks like he's about to dive off of an Olympic diving pool, a diving board mm-hmm. from fifty feet up, and he launches up in the air and he grabs it mm-hmm. and, and he follows me around and he cocks his head only that way when he's about to go to launch. And so today I went out there. I didn't have any worms with me. But little Johnny Callahan didn't care. He ran over to me, ran next to me, and cocked his head ready to launch. <laughs> and, and essentially was saying, hey, idiot. Get your worm ready. Yeah, get your worm ready. I'm going. We're going here. I thought, man, this is freaking cool that me and this thing, me and this thing, this this thing is now a personality in my life. <laughs> along with the kids, along with the dogs, etc. I also have a personality a, a relationship with this and he's been through a lot he's been attacked by hawks and he's you know he's uh had challenges and he's you know he's he's walked around the uh, the perimeter of the house etc but between that and we you know yesterday and around christmas one of our kids got as a present a little football who gave him that uncle jimmy did. uncle jimmy gave him this little football our two-year-old mm-hmm. and we've been throwing it around the adults in the living room as just as a, to screw around 
and it's really fun. <laughs> and everybody's into it. And it's like, those yeah. are things. Yeah, Tom even played a board game or two this Christmas. I which did, was, uh, and I won. He doesn't usually like to play board games with us. So what I'm saying is... Uh, is You're getting soft in your old age. That's what you're saying. Well, I'm uh, maybe there's some of that happening, but I am getting soft because I'm getting fatter. But that's, <laughs> and it ends now. Just think we we'll get to look back on how fat I used to be, Alice. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to fit into my... What is my jacket called? <laughs> product can be trust. Yeah, we're going to fit into my uh, product can be trust uh, jacket. Um, if, within a month, I would say, Alice. Within a month. Oh, God, I'm excited. So all is good. Prioritize. Do the good things and the worthwhile and valuable things. And don't worry about uh, the number of uh, Twitter followers or likes or God, don't say yeah. happy birthday to and, me on Facebook anymore. <laughs> Jesus. That's why I got rid of my birthday on Facebook. I can't do it. It you won't can, let me do it. You can. You can make it not visible. It won't I do did it. it. I did it. Nobody says happy birthday to me. But if you want to say happy birthday to Tom, you can do so on Twitter, I guess. It was his birthday this past week. Uh, we are on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod for the moment. Uh, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. Uh, if Parlor still exists, we are on there at Burn Barrel Podcast. Um, you can check out our YouTube channel, Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel there. Like, comment, and subscribe on there. Or shoot us an email, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. C'est la vie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.